0: hey all you nature lovers this is you're gonna die out there
1: Welcome to You're Gonna Die Out There.
0: My name is Megan. And I'm Jen. And this is our new podcast. Episode one. We're going to be talking about true stories of people who've had some crazy experiences in nature. Mostly?
1: So mostly unfortunate.
0: Some of them are so bad. Some of them are going to be
1: spooky and supernatural, weird and crimey. Yeah. So. All involving nature. We love true crime. Also adventuring in the wilderness.
0: Megan went up to somebody who worked for some criminal investigation thing that she knew <laughs> and was like... Uh Yeah, no, that
1: was uh, uh my neighbors, and I was at a party, and there were many of them. They all knew each other, and I was like, hey. Hey, so
0: I totally true crime. I love true
1: crime, and they were like, yeah, it's not like that. Yeah, most of the time. can you? And yes. I was like, really?
0: That All right. And then you went and sat in your corner.
1: And then I sat in my party corner.
0: Party corner. That's
1: how I attend all parties, in yeah. the party corner.
0: And then you kind of like do the like side- like cowly shuffle out you're like the crab shuffle bye There's a lot of great podcasts out there that we love listening to. Oh, there are. Morbid. Love the ladies. Yes.
1: They're so amazing.
0: But can I just say that my first one that I loved listening to Mm -hmm. was I'm Phoebe Judge and this is Criminal. If only I could talk like that. a beautiful voice. Like, I just want to hear about crime from her. It's like it calms me.
1: Yeah. Well, just like our voices are doing right now to our three (laughs) listeners. What's your
0: your favorite? Or I know you have a lot that you like. I do. I mean, I
1: am... In the my favorite murder fan cult, oh, okay. so I pay a little extra just for stuff. yeah, because I like Georgia and Karen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a patreon for the morbid. Inside. I have sent a really good story idea to them, and they haven't done it yet because my freaking neighbor was murdered by a serial killer that's in Seattle right. when I that's was that's right. 16. I was 16. And you were smoking
1: out your window. I was.
0: (laughs) I was totally. Smoking out out the bathroom. At night. Out my bathroom window. Like, standing on a step stool so I could, like, go all the way, like, halfway (laughs) hang out my window (laughs) with, like, towels stuffed under the door.
1: And just, like, grunge.
0: And I was all, like, yeah, I was in my combat boots and all, like, And I was like, Let's look in the window, and then I would see this girl, and I was like, this is cool. I don't know what she's doing, getting back so late. And I always saw her, but I didn't know her. See? And then, man, it's a crazy story. That poor girl. Yeah. But luckily, they caught him. I think he murdered three or four girls, and they caught him. Thank God. And my mom had to go to court. Oh, that's right. I remember. And she had to testify, about. and she was really kind of sickened by it because she had to testify for the defendant. Oh. She saw somebody in our yard. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like him. And so she had to testify, but it was, she was like, it was dumb. Like he, she's like, man, he was so scary looking. She's like, I couldn't even look oh, at him. He just had this super icky, Creepy dead face. look in his eyes. He was a torture uh, sick, sadistic, dead shark eyes, dead shark eyes guy. Just... And he's still in prison and we'll stay there forever. And maybe we'll talk about real shark eyes. Oh, we will. Oh, definitely. Oh, segue. <laughs> Nice. Back to the nature. I love any kind of supernatural anything. It's true. I I feel like you're
1: more supernaturally than I am. I'm weird things happen. I'm not quite a believer. I'm a skeptic, but also I throw salt over my shoulder and I knock on wood. You do a lot of weird things. Yeah. Which I feel like crazy dreams. Crazy dreams.
0: And you read your horoscope every day, and I don't do that. Every day. I do not do (laughs) that. It comes
1: in my email and I read it. (laughs)
0: I mean, Listen. maybe if it came in my email every day, I, I don't know. But I haven't even gotten to the point where I would request to get an email every day. I get so many stupid emails every day. Well, I used to,
1: I do, I used to do the app, but then you have to open the app and get to the day. Di- and so yeah, then I was like, you work. know what? I just, just please send it to me, please. I just want to read <laughs> it. is a pretty good,
0: it's a pretty good horoscope one. Like, yeah. of all of them. Right? I like it. I, sh- I might do it. If astrology.com
1: wants to sponsor us. <laughs> I know this is only episode one, but you guys are super riveted, I can tell. Listen,
0: we're going to have like two listeners, like our moms, okay? So I'm pretty sure a huge following. Well, your mom,
1: I don't know if my mom will listen. She'll be like, oh, I listened, but she didn't. My
0: mom will listen because... Oh, just because she. she feels sorry for me. <laughs> I don't know. She'll just probably like, listen.
1: One follower. But I
0: think she'll be into it. I think she'll be into yeah. our stories. And that's the thing is we want to talk about a lot of different things. It'll all kind of come back to humans versus nature. Yes. Or people who put themselves in very bad situations. Precarious. Don't plan well. Or, you know, totally just not even just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, just how nature has played a role in so many interesting scenarios and situations where people are just not prepared.
1: That is very true.
0: I think it's gonna be fun. We have a lot of good stories.
1: We've known each other a long time. I think I feel like we have a rapport. Oh, yeah. We do. We-, we
0: okay. Yeah, we should talk about that.
1: Yeah. I know I've known you for many years
0: now. Yeah. It's been a while. We were Peace Corps volunteers together and we survived that. We made it. And then we never, we didn't want to leave. We stayed, I mean, I stayed in our host country for like seven years. A while. study some sea turtles. (laughs) And you would have stayed longer, but you had to peace out.
1: In the end, we'll just go back there. Right. And just wither away.
0: Well, I always (laughs) thought, you know, some of the like Kennedy Arab Peace Corps volunteers, because we knew some, well, we saw or knew some of them that they were on their second tour Basically, as a Peace Corps volunteer. So they did it when they were or young people, 70s or whatever. And then they came back later after they retired and then they did it again. Right. And I feel like I could probably do that.
1: The Peace Corps better be around. When, it will be because. I swear to God.
0: New administration. Oh, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah. And hopefully they'll get some funding back. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's no longer Peace Corps where we were serving. It got cut. Is what it is, but it's all good, but it's a great thing. And, you know, so when we say you're going to die out there, it's we're just being funny. You're not going to die out there. We've been out in the natures and we survived. 100%. There, might been,
1: there might have been some pant shitting.
0: <laughs> Look, there is not a Peace Corps volunteer alive. Write to us if we're wrong. Every Peace Corps volunteer shits, shits their, their pants. pants at one time or another. Before I was a volunteer, I went and visited my friends in Ecuador and that place, man. You get all the stomach problems there. I was there for two weeks and I was like, whoa. Yeah. It's like, it's the real deal. Every single volunteer, because they had to take like a 10 hour bus ride from wherever they were stationed to the doctor. Every single one of them was like, oh yeah, I totally shit myself on the bus.
1: Just riding in it. (laughs) no choice just like a little extra padding on the seat
0: <laughs> well i mean maybe you'd keep people from sitting like right next to you or stealing your you stuff you
1: know let me just say that the, because we talked about doing this podcast during the pandemic mm-hmm. we're like you know what else are we gonna do we're sitting at home right right we're working, obviously. I mean, yeah, but we're, still, we're working. The quote, bare Work, quotes, and yeah. no, we aren't. But yeah, let's we do this working. podcast. Um, uh, just talking about distance from people. Yes, I have been loving the pandemic. I mean, not the people who died. That's horrible. No, but the the, the six feet, the six social feet, distancing, yes. the wearing a mask. Yes. oh, that's my that's my jam. And then,
0: no pressure to go anywhere. No pressure.
1: I just love it. chilling at home. The
0: whole, whole introvert side of us oh. is hundred percent. I know. Why we're doing this podcast so introverted. And when I when things go back to normal, we live in a very hot place. Just walking from the store to your car, you're like oh, well, I just rip it off and it's all sweaty. <laughs> and
1: you, you have like a you have like a sweat goatee.
0: You have a sweat goatee. <laughs> What is it? The mask me? Uh. But yeah, I, f- I always think about people where it's cold and stateside places or anywhere that it's like cold and snowy, and I'm like, I I think I would be okay with that.
1: Yeah, because then you wouldn't have it keeps
0: oh, you cold
1: yeah. feeling. That cold. I hate, well, I hate cold, the cold. face,
0: cold nose. But yeah. So this this whole podcast idea kind of came up because we were listening to so many podcasts and talking about That's it, true. and then we were like, you know, we we're both kind of sort of biologists in me, the realm. We are, we we are. are. but but there we're is. not like out there doing the thing right now and we already kind of been there done that yeah now we're just you know checking emails all day but we love nature you know all things about it and we kind of realized that there wasn't a podcast that combined those things there might be but we didn't find it
1: yeah write us and tell us we're uh, well at the end of this we're going to give our information oh yeah
0: if you do have or know of another podcast i mean i think there are some but i think they're very serious
1: Right, and it's like
0: one, you know, like it's like a real, like kind of watching Nat Geo and somebody telling a story, you know, right, right. We're I
1: would say if you can't tell already from the shit your pants conversation,
0: right. We're we're not that serious. No, you're gonna get some banter, a little bit of banter. Gonna get some banter and some side comments. After you hear this one and you kind of get a feel for what we're talking about our amazingness, I, you know, but I feel like we're gonna talk about all kinds of things. But any story you have, like your, if you have a crazy Peace Corps experience, yes, bring it. I wanna to hear every single one of those. And don't even try <laughs> to say you didn't shit your pants. <laughs> we know you did. Just don't. And then you know, if you have a cool nature story or you know of something that you want us to talk about, like mm-hmm. just throw it out there. But we'll give you all the all the details at the end.
1: You have to listen first. You, you got to stick it out. You have to like and subscribe and do all the things. <laughs> you got to take it through, stick it out through my story. <laughs> you got to make
0: it to the end. And it's long, and it's I'm so just going to drag you through it. And it's going to be so great,
1: so amazing.
0: Yes. All right. It is like a wild wilderness you know, adventure, just getting through it my is. story.
1: But yeah, so we're going to be doing, did you already say this? We're going to be doing a story every week.
0: Oh, no, I didn't say that yet. Yeah, We will have a story every week. God damn One it. will be by me, Jen, and one yes. will be by Megan.
1: By me, by Megan.
0: If we do get cool stories, we could have like, you know, some sort of wild wilderness story hour and we can throw those in here if and we then, get enough.
1: And then you can hear our amazing reading skills.
0: Who wouldn't want to have their story read by us? <laughs>
1: hear these dulcet tones they're so beautiful
0: (laughs) yeah we were supposed to start this we were like january 2021 and it's good whatever whatever hey we got our stuff kind of late but usps we love you yeah you did the thing all the things i was getting christmas gifts (laughs) like i had one last week i wanted this these chicken boots so bad you know, they're like rain boots with chickens on them. Yeah, exactly. But I ordered them for myself. And I didn't know he ordered them and then I got them in the mail and he's like, Well, now you a- have extra two. boots. Yeah. Just in case. They're my backup chicken boots. Uh
1: I feel like we should mention just for a moment just the quantity of fowl that live at your house. Yeah. So people know Why understand. I chicken I'm chicken. currently looking at Jen. She's wearing a yup, I talked to chicken shirt, which I purchased for her. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of fowl at your house. I think people would love to know that. <laughs> And they're so floofy. They are floofy. And I love I have love five them.
0: chickens that I got at the beginning of and the pandemic. Three ducks. And three ducks. They were all babies. And now they're big floofs. Well, the ducks aren't so floofy, but they're That's funny. Dumb. They each give me an egg every day. Because they love you. Like, no one else on this planet does something <laughs> that amazing for me. So they're just my favorites now. <laughs> I love them so much. I think we're going to get to our first story. Yeah, I'm going to... So so this is Jen. <clears throat> I will be telling the first story for our first episode. It's pretty amazing. I remember hearing about this lady or girl. She was a girl when it happened to her. But I remember, I don't know if I, I swear I watched a documentary about this. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't find that. I found another documentary about her. And then she has a book. And um, When I Fell From the Sky by Julianne Cope, She is freaking amazing. Like, not only is she an amazing biologist, but she's an amazing human and person and survivor and she does, to this day, you know, amazing things. She's saving the rainforest. She's just so cool. Basically, this whole story is about her... It's based on her book, when I fell from this guy. Nice. She, it, she came out in 2011. It was hard for me to find. I couldn't find the print, but I was able to get it on Google. She is the sole survivor of Lance of Flight 508 in Peru. So she... All of this information I got from her book... And there's a lot of different stories out there and even some movies, documentaries. Well, the documentary she did, I'll talk about later, which is, which is accurate because she's in it. But there was a movie that is not accurate. And most of the stories about her are not right. And she kind of talks about that in her, in her book, which I recommend everybody read. Anyway, so she was born in 1954 on October 10th. So she's German, and she's a Peruvian mammologist, and she's super cool. She ended up in Peru because her parents, um, Hans William and Maria Koch, were both biologists. So her dad was like, back then, they're like, he's a zoologist, a herpetologist, an ornithologist. He was all the things, but really, he's just a big picture ec- ecology guy. And this is back in like the 40s and 50s. And you know, so anyway, I'm going to talk about them because they were really cool people. Her dad was super ambitious. He wanted to travel. Um, this is like he was, you know, post World War Two in Germany, and he had finished his PhD and there were not a lot of opportunities to say the least. So while he was doing his postdoctorate work at um, the university, he had already met her mom at school. She was still working on her PhD too. And she was definitely an ornithologist. She's really into birds. They met and then he, listen to this. I mean, it's just so crazy. This whole story for him is so crazy. But he wrote a letter so he was like i want to go somewhere where there's like a really high diversity of or biodiversity of like a lot of species and so he decided south america so he wrote a letter to the university of lima in 1947 he was 33 years old mm-hmm. a year later he got a response <laughs> talk yeah. about patient! like we have no i there's i would no be person. like i would be staring at my emails like where am i gonna why haven't they written me back yet Five minutes later. Dear so-and-so, just following (laughs) up. Just following up up like every 10 minutes. Anyway, a year later, he gets a letter back and he's like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go. But he had no, you know, he had no like way to get there. He had to get himself there. And I guess, you know, during this time after the war, there was no, it was really difficult to get through post-war Europe. There were no passports or visas. So he had to kind of illegally travel to, through these countries to get there. So he needed to go find a ship that was going to be going to Peru, South America. And so somebody had told him, like, you need to go to this port in Italy and they'll they'll get you there. It, it's kind of like a long story and I won't go into it. But he basically, he went to Italy. He was captured, he didn't have a passport. He was thrown in a prison what camp. What the fuck? Yes. He, like, was held there. He escaped with a bunch of people. He had to climb a wall and he fell and hurt himself, like fractured his his butt butt his butt butt and he had to like get better from that and then he like i mean it was nuts he went to all these places he got caught again he was constantly like hiding you know like trying to get to a port and every port he would go to where there was no ship so he finally finds a port and boards a ship he gets to brazil so this is like three thousand miles from peru where he's at and he's like well i'm a good i'm a pretty avid walker i'm just gonna walk and take the train, but mostly walk. He wore like, you know, this big straw hat and he was just like super skinny and like got, you know, so much sun that he was brown That <laughs> people were just like, who is this crazy? Rando dude. Rando German dude. Just anyway. So he, he did it. He got there. It took him a year and a half. And so he finally gets there Or and it was two years after receiving the letter.
1: So so it's like three years since he wrote the letter. Three
0: years since he wrote the letter. Two years after he received the letter. Guess what? The job wasn't available anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't? Why didn't they hold it? It was like. You just hold it for a a decade? So he's like, well, well, shit.
1: Like I'm I'm here. I'm not going back.
0: I mean. I just fucking walked. Yes. uh,
1: You know, the the things that he went through just to get there. And they're like. Oh, our bad. Yeah, sorry. We gave it away to this guy. Like our boss's son, a year and eleven months ago, he did a job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so he got there, and then he went and talked to the dean of the University of San Marcos, and they actually offered. I think they were just like, "This guy really wants a job," so they offered him a position to manage the Natural History Museum, a section of it. It's the to work with the fish section at the Natural uh, History Museum in Lima. That was in 1950, and then shortly after. He was like, maybe sent another letter (laughs) to his girlfriend, Maria, and was like, okay, we're good. You should come. And somehow she just gets on a ship, I guess because it was a few years later. And she'd finished her uh, PhD, and she's like, I'm into it. Let's do this. So she went there. She got on a ship. She went, and then she also got a job at the Natural History Museum managing the ornithology department. But imagine post-war Germany, and you're a biologist, and you just want to study species and...
1: I just want to look at birds. I
0: just want to look at birds. They really, they wanted it. So yeah, so they met up, they had jobs, um, and they stayed there for a little while. You know, just to talk about her parents a little, because I probably won't talk about it this part too much later, but her dad, and this was like in the early 70s, he published a 60, almost 1700 page, uh, two volume opus entitled Life Forms, the basis of... For all universally universally valid biological theory. It's in German, but I'm sure they've translated it <laughs> to English. They'd say it was like a monumental work that it really includes like the concept of adaptation, death of individuals of and of species, systematic ecology. I mean it's like covers like it's like one of the bases for ecology and biology anyway. And a lot of it is um, covers like Peruvian and South American birds. And his wife, Maria, was very good at drawing birds. So a lot of her work is in there, you know. So back to her mom, she got her degree in zoology in 1949 at the University of Kiel. Um, That's where they had met. So she ended up, when she got there, they got married. A couple years later, had Julian, which she says in her book means cheerful. And she said that it really... Yeah, she connects with that. So little Julianne was born in Lima and when she was little, so before before she was born, her her dad's mom, so her grandma and her aunt, the dad's sister, had come to Peru to stay. Because originally I guess after he her dad had gotten there, the one of his brothers had come over and was trying to work on some some farm but he got like mysteriously killed or he died and they think it was a poisoning they came over and they were staying there so she said you know she had this great childhood course was spoke spanish and german and they really tried to make her speak german well because her spanish was so well (laughs) her parents were awesome they were really into the work they were so in love and they loved her and they included her in all that they did there were always animals around i know they were always bringing home birds that her mom would hand raise and she would help. And um, they, she loved dogs. She said she really loved dogs, which I love that. And, you know, from living in places where they're not treated very nicely. So she was able to, like, bring, you know, have a dog and keep it there with her. And, yeah, she grew, had basically grew up with this love for animals. When she was 10, I just wanted to bring this up because it's not. <laughs> <laughs> when she was 10, she got scarlet fever. And she was super sick that she got better. And it was really scary because her dad's like younger sister had died from scarlet fever. Oh, wow. And, and just, side note, I was chip. diagnosed with scarlet fever when I was a Peace Corps volunteer, and I was like, what is, is, what's wrong with how me? How is this even, yeah, I was like, do people still get scarlet fever?
1: Congratulations. <laughs> like,
0: little women, like, what are we in 18
1: Anyway, yeah, it was. Just people rubbing your feet to bring the fever
0: down. <laughs> They're like, just, yeah, just take this antibiotic, you'll be fine. Anyway, and I was fine. She experienced a lot growing up, and when she was, 14 in 1968 her parents moved from lima to a place they named panguana and this was where her dad so her mom and dad's dream was to establish this research station Mm -hmm. in this really beautiful part of the rainforest way out in the middle of nowhere her dad had only heard that there was like a place with like some huts and he they went like on this like five-day journey to get there and he scoped it out like they didn't know for sure
1: but I mean five-day journey for him is like pss, nothing he's
0: like that's like a weekend 3,000 miles so it's <laughs> don't even cool. worry about it it took me a year <laughs> <laughs> like for real that was probably nothing three days whatever they got there and he scouted out found the huts and he was like okay this is gonna happen so they settled there. And so they started this, they they lived in like open, you know, huts, no walls. I can really... Some, hopefully some mosquito was, nets. Just I imagining. think they did have mosquito nets because let me tell you, Amazon bugs, It's it's a real deal. I feel like
1: where we served as Peace Corps was like minimal bugs in comparison
0: to the Amazon. It's like... Yeah, it, we had know. the cockroaches <laughs> and the mosquitoes, but... Flies. Yeah, it flies. I feel like that. Those, but they ones... have like things that will murder you in your sleep, kind of insects. Right? We didn't have that. They just crawl into
1: your mouth at night and turn <laughs> you into a fucking zombie. <laughs> oh <my God. clears throat> that's Yeah, normal there. Yeah, that's how I imagine it is.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like we had it good, oh, and yeah. that's why I think she's such a badass for many reasons beyond just having you know being able to tolerate that kind of insectry all over your person. Ugh. So they moved there. She was 14 and she at first wasn't too stoked about it because she had to leave her friends and she was like, I'm going to be in the middle of this like what people would call a like green hell or jungle hell, <laughs> you know, and she was like, no, it's actually so lovely. And she she like lived in the jungle.
1: You mean, so she, wait, 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 you mean what? she wasn't like, is there going to be Wi-Fi? <laughs> Mom, oh my god, like, I really need my phone to
0: work. Like, my phone is not work in here. I can't send my selfies. Do so. they even Insta out there?
1: <laughs> Alright.
0: <laughs> Hashtag jungle girl. <laughs> anyway, so she lived in the jungle and she learned all these amazing survival skills. Because you have to. They basically, after for high school they wouldn't let her finish some of her schooling out there so she had to go back to this school in lima just for her examinations for like graduating from high school she went back to lima just to do her exams in december of 1971 okay so she's uh 17 okay by then
1: and she's probably like a freaking genius because she lives with science parents Yes. (laughs)
0: Well, it's just all around her all the time. And actually one thing that I wrote down is that she was so close to her mom and she describes her mother as growing up as this really kind and gentle person, really committed to her work and really amazing. And she had told her mom because she said, yeah, I remember being out like looking at this bird and we're just covered in insects and the, all you, and you're sweating and all you want to do is just like wipe it away from her face. But her mom was like, don't move because you didn't want to lose you know have the bird fly away so her mom's like don't move and she didn't she stayed extremely still and they you know watched this bird's behavior and got photos or so because her mom could draw like she was a great amazing artist and she would draw pictures of the birds so she was really like trying to like sketch it and be really still and so her mom said and this is a quote from her book she said if you want to be a biologist you have to learn to sacrifice and I noted that because it is so true. It is so true. <laughs> so, anyway. true. so, anyway, so I'm going to move on to the day that it all happened. So, Maria, uh, her mom, was working in Lima at the time. I mean, she had to probably go back and forth sometimes to kind of like go back to the Natural H- History Museum and give specimens or, you know, do whatever. Science shit. Science shit. She was working in Lima when um, Julianne went back to graduate from high school. So she had to go take her exams. And so her mom, because it was December and it was right before Christmas, her mom wanted to go back to their research station in Panguana on like December 19th or 20th. And again, this is 1971. But Julianne was like, Hey mom, I really want to go to my graduation cer- uh, ceremonies on uh, December 23rd. And so her mom's like, Okay, yeah, we can stay a little longer. And so they scheduled their flight on Christmas Eve, mm. which you can imagine everybody wants to fly on Christmas Eve. So when they tried to book all the flights were booked aside from one with this Lanza airline, which was like super shady. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so yeah, it was Sometimes shady. You're- yeah. And, and, and actually one of their flights had crashed recently, or I don't know, within the last year or so. I don't think they knew this at the time. I think they knew about that, but they knew that it was, um, you know, kind of a shady airline. And her dad, and you know, so Maria, her mom's like husband was like, don't fly with them ever. Like, do not do it. But at the time, that was the only flight. It's only an hour flight. It's just an hour. Just one hour. It's just one hour. I just want to get home. I want to be with my, you know, they want to be with her, her husband and, you know, Julianne's dad. They want to be together on Christmas. And they're like, let's just do it. Let's go. It'll be fine. People do it all
1: the time. What could go wrong? Exactly.
0: And I feel like I would do the same thing. I feel like I've gone on flights. Actually, most of the time I feel like, okay. But there have been some ones where I'm like, good God.
1: I I like to think of the worst possible scenario and then imagine, if, if I could just imagine the worst possible scenario, then it won't happen. Probably
0: you wouldn't have gone on the flight. <laughs> no. <laughs> you wouldn't
1: have. Uh, yeah, no. I no. Like, I would I have been like, like, listen, Christmas is Christmas is Christmas.
0: <laughs> I'll see you later. Oi. Fucking
1: Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'll see you the day after. And I would have been like, let's do it. Let's go. (laughs) I've been like, Jen, I don't know how I feel about this.
0: (laughs) And then I would have forced you to go. Just in general, airplanes
1: are, yeah, I'm not a big fan. So
0: they booked the flight. So they went to the airport. It was crazy. It was like people are all over the place. They have all their Christmas stuff. I'm just imagining,
1: 1971, right? Yeah. It's just, like, smoke everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> In like, like, the turd, there's ashtrays just full. People are, like...
0: People are holding their, know. like, chickens. You know, like, it's just, like, they're all, like, this we gotta... Is my g- emotional support chicken. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, like, they have all their Christmas stuff, and they've got, like, food and whatever. Because they need to get home to wherever. And there's also, like, missionaries out there. So, on her flight, there were some missionaries that were going around teach, like, translating the Bible into Spanish. I don't know. Doing, awesome. their, <laughs> doing their thing. And so they get on the flight. They're really, they feel really lucky to get on because a lot of people couldn't get on the flight. I, I don't remember the size of the plane, but I know she was maybe, like, mid, somewhere in the middle because she said she was over the wing. And she could, she was sitting, so it was, like, three a three-seat, like, bench seat. And was, she was by the window, and then her mom was in the middle, and then there was some, like, large man who just basically sat down and passed out and was like snoring away. So that's where her where she was. It was like the first 30 minutes cuz an hour flight. The first 30 minutes were just like nothing. Just, just like chill. cruising along, getting there, almost there. And then she said she looked ahead and there was this really black looming like thunderstorm, right? In front of them.
1: Just like the pilot's like, "Hey, that looks cool."
0: Yeah, and the pi- the Let's pilot just-
1: Straight there. He went straight into it. NBD. Let's just... No big deal. Yeah. It's fine.
0: Let's just go. Let's go. So he flew literally straight into it. So they go into it and then all of a sudden it's just like pitch black outside the window. Went From sunny daytime, it's pitch black. There's lightning. They're flopping around like there's super bad turbulence. They're being thrown around and it just gets worse and worse to where like... They had just like finished their service like getting the drinks... And I guess some people still had drinks, like drinks were flying, hitting people in the head. Things started falling down like luggage and, you know, flying around and people are just screaming and getting super scared. And she remembers her mom saying, hopefully this is all, hopefully this all goes all right.
1: That's definitely a nightmare I've had. (laughs) Probably this will be okay. I feel like that's a mom thing to say, though.
0: Yeah, she's probably trying to be reassuring. There's a blinding flash of light that goes right over the wing, and there's an explosion. And then she hears her mom very calmly say, now it's all over.
1: Jesus, I just got shit. That's and crazy. And that is
0: something she'll, she, she dreams about that. Her mom calmly saying, now it's all over, because that's the last thing she ever heard from her mom. Jesus. So she hears, this is the craziest shit ever. I'm just gonna. Blinding light, explosion. She hears all this loud roaring, and they begin to nosedive. And then- all of a sudden, all these screams and panic and commotion, it just completely goes silent. What, one of the guys who did a, a, the documentary, which I'll mention later, he said the plane basically left her. So she thinks that maybe she was at a point on the plane where it broke and it just broke away from her. And then she's free falling. She was free falling. In so her, in her chair? Yes. In her chair. So all the screams, her mom's not there anymore. Everything's just away, gone. She's just completely alone. And she's still strapped in her seat and at ten thousand feet. Jeez. And if you're not sure what ten thousand feet is, it is like two miles. I dabble in yogging.
1: <laughs> yogging? <laughs> I yog. Or I like to think I run, but it's, Listen, it's I've, more like I've yogged before for <laughs> about thing. fifty feet. Yeah. Not even ten right. feet. Ten feet.
0: So, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I run occasionally and let me tell you, like running a mile is like, ugh, you know, it's, it's running two miles, running three miles. I'm just like, just the thought of how long it takes to get that distance is insane. So anyway, she's two miles in the air falling and she hears all this rushing air and she thinks that she goes in and out of consciousness, which is probably good. Thank God. Cause it, it had to have taken like, 10 minutes so she hears rushing air she's going in out of consciousness at some point she wakes up and she's spiraling upside down imagine it's she kind of compared it to like a maple uh seed
1: oh yeah how they um like when you if you throw it off of a roof yeah, or something and, and or it if spins, you see them fall. because
0: it's imagine like three seats and she's on one end and it's just spinning her around yeah also, oh, so, all three seats because it's a bench seat, so it's right. like she's on the end. But her mom is not
1: attached. Nobody the else is attached, and only the dude her. to a sleeping, yeah. go, like Gone. jester.
0: And she, she also, so she's spiraling, and she said she can see that top of the forest, and she said it looked like broccoli, like heads of broccoli, right? Because it's yeah. so dense, the forest. She and also she, knows she's still buckled in because she can hardly breathe. It's so tight on her, you know, because it's holding her. That's it. Down, pulling, and. Strong seat. You know what? <laughs> wear your seatbelt. <laughs> wear your seatbelt. When they say, always. like, wear your seatbelt, wear it and make it tight. Fit. Snug. Snug.
1: They say to fit it snug across your lap. Yes. I have read that manual every I'm, time I get on a plane. I'm I read the sure manual. It's, I know it's a problem, but I I pull it, you know. And so yeah. Always, always. I mean, I
0: haven't always, because there's times I want to, like, Scooch around and like lay down or something or get come- especially on like long flights. But this after reading this, I'm gonna be like snug it on there. I'm gonna be like, Can I
1: get one of those over the seat harnesses? <laughs> Can I just have a harness? <laughs> and Thank a you. parachute.
0: Excuse me. Um- <laughs> <laughs> so she is she feels it, it's tight, she's spiraling, she goes in and out of consciousness. Before she knows it, she's basically on the ground. She doesn't remember hitting the ground. She just knows that she's on the ground and her seatbelt was unbuckled, so she thinks that she probably came to at some point and unbuckled it and then passed out again. Let me just tell you, it is the rainy season, and if anybody knows about <laughs> tropical climates, you have basically a rainy season and a dry season. And the rainy season, it doesn't fuck around. Like you, it rains every day and it rains and it rains and it rains and, it rains, and it's muddy and gloopy and and I feel so like
1: exponentially more dangerous.
0: And in the Amazon. She wait, and she also, so at some point when she had wake, woken up, she crawls because it's raining. She crawls under the bench seat and she passes out for like the day. And at night, for the day and the whole night. I mean, she's got a bad concussion. Yeah. And she just fell for two months. <laughs> <miles laughs> two- just a little bit of a, she's, she's got a concussion <laughs> to say
1: like, the least. It's like they always tell you not to go, go to sleep when you have it, but. I don't blame her. Yeah. For trying. to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think her body was like, you need to sleep. Just don't worry about it. And so she wakes up the next morning. She's all soaked and she's so dizzy. She knows she has a bad concussion. She wears glasses. They're gone, obviously. And so she can barely see. But also her eyes are like, one is completely swollen shut and the other one is almost. So she can barely see out of one eye. And so she kind of spends that day just trying to like, she says like many d- dizzying attempts to try to figure out if she's injured, what's happening. She's kind of like looking around for her mom. So she kind of figures out she has a broken collarbone. So it's completely like one part over the other, but it's not poking out of the skin. Oh, thank God. And she said it didn't hurt at all.
1: Yeah, I've broken a bone before and it didn't hurt. I feel like maybe those smaller fractures sometimes hurt
0: more. Oh, yeah. You're so when it's, about? like, completely broken. It's it, just your
1: body's, it, like, don't know. F it. But yeah. the collarbone, that's, like, one of the worst breaks.
0: Yeah, but she said it didn't hurt. I think she was in such shock. Yeah. And then she also had, like, a pretty deep, jagged cut on her leg. But it also wasn't bleeding. That um, was on her, on her left calf. She didn't see it right away. She had a really deep cut on the back of her arm where she couldn't, like, see it. But it also, and it was also a really deep. Cut! It wasn't bleeding. Her body was like,
1: "Just hold it together. Just it together.
0: <laughs> you can do it." You know. So, and and she had more injuries like later that she'll find out. But mm. she—that's all she could see on herself because she had just come from like this fun school graduation. It's Christmas. What, what? She was all cute in a little mini Chris, dress.
1: Was it a Christmas sweater? Mini dress.
0: <laughs> it was a <laughs> That would have been awesome, though. Some Jingle Bells, (laughs) fucking glitter. (laughs) Like the the Rudolph with the with the red nose that's, (laughs) like, sticking out a little. (laughs) Yeah. So, no. It was just, like, a cute little mini dress. I think, like, sleeveless. And they're in the
1: tropics, so that'd be cool.
0: It had a zipper in the back. And she could tell the zipper was kind of broken, but still kind of there. But she was still wearing it. But she also wore these sandals. That they covered the toes, but they were open in the back and she only had one. It's like,
1: do you keep that sandal with you?
0: And people asked her this. Yeah. Well, why didn't you just get rid of it? And she's like, because she knew that she would need at least one thing to kind of like, if she was going to walk, to put that foot forward. So if anything was in the ground, then it would. Because she grew up out there and she knew you always wear rubber boots Mm -hmm. everywhere you go. Yeah, especially if you're in the river, there's it's stingrays with stingers that will just like f you up. Jesus. So she she knew that she probably better keep it. I I don't know if I would think of that because if you didn't live out there and know, right, you would just be like the stupid snapper and you'd like throw it away and yeah. But anyway, so she kept it. But the saddest part of all of it is that time she spent, she was dizzy, concussed, and she basically crawled around on all fours for a while looking for her mom and calling her name. And then when she realized that she was alone, it just like overcame her with sadness. And she's just like having to kind of sit there and think... I guess this is it. And she says in her book, she said, my parents showed me from an early age that with calm and methodical thinking, you can master almost any situation in which you end up in nature. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Calm and methodical thinking. I feel like that can help anybody in any part of their life. And I wish more people would practice that. She's used to wearing rubber boots when she's out and having a machete. She had nothing. She had this little watch that her grandma gave her for confirmation. And she it still worked. And I think it's one of those cause I'm aging myself. I remember how you know, like when I was little, those little watches you would wind up or it was still telling the time, so she kinda knew what time it was. And she kinda looked around and she found some candy. And she also found this little like Christmas stolen. It's a fruitcake. I feel like if you lived in the jungle, a fruitcake would be amazing. It would be. Like I would eat a fruitcake when I was like starving to death. When I was a Peace Corps, I would have eaten anything with any kind of sweetness to it. She found this fruitcake, but it was, like, soaked with water and muddy, and she tried to eat it, and it was gross, and she's just like, ugh. F but then
1: that. you're kind of asking yourself, like, is it gross because it's a fruitcake, or is it gross because <laughs> it's muddy? <laughs> Does it make a difference? Does it? What's the difference? What's what's the difference?
0: We might get some reactions <laughs> from some fruitcake fruit cake lovers out there. Okay, so like get
1: like, sick. I'll... All three people <laughs> listening to this, please, I hope you don't like fruitcakes. And if you do,
0: I hope your fruitcake is the bomb. Yeah. I've, I've probably only had bad ones, not you know, the real deal ones. I
1: will say, I will say that, uh, the cherries on fruitcakes, I mean, I love cherries, any kind of cherry. So I've always thought that that particular part would be yummy. I just feel
0: just, like it's all this fruit mashed in there. It's kind of hard anyway. So she didn't take it because it was muddy and but later she ha- she regretted that. I was gonna ask. Yeah. yeah. Did Just by then she you would like... just eat like whatever. She took the candy she was like, okay, like I can't stay here because nobody's gonna find me here because she's in a dense forest. Mm-hmm. She starts kind of like collecting herself, gathering herself and then she hears the humming of planes overhead. And she knows that there is a search party out. She hears it, but they cannot see her and there's no way she can signal to them.
1: When that happens in movies and it's like they're on the other side of the horizon or something, and there's like a plane or whatever and but the plane never sees them, I get so angry. <laughs> Just in like a movie. I am right. like, God, what? But, you know, yeah. but it's like in real life to be standing there and hear that and be like
0: It was very frustrating. And so once she could kind of like you know, she heard that and she kind of was looking around and then she hears the distinct sound of like water trickling and she looks around and she follows it And she sees like a little tiny spring and she's really happy because not only does she have like water to drink, but she also knows it'll lead to a large river and then to people. In her book, she said, I hear the voice of my father who said, if you get lost in the jungle, you find flowing water, stay near it, follow its course, it will bring you to other people. So with her one sandal, her bag of candy and her crazy concussion, she starts following that water. Another memory she had from when she was a little bit younger, I forgot to mention this earlier, but at the research station, they always have people coming from all over the world to do research projects. At some point, they had some, a group from Berkeley, a group of biologists, and they went on an expedition to go look for, well, who knows what, some ants or... The leader of the expedition accidentally shot himself in the leg. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Can leave it up to the Americans. Come on. Uh, so one of the guys from there, and this was a big, like tall, heavy guy. And they're like, we cannot carry you out of here. So they sent this other guy to go find help. Of course he gets lost. Luckily he was smart and he followed the river and he found his way like two days later back to their research station and they were able to get help to the guy. Nice. So she kind of had that in her mind. And she's like, okay, I got to follow the stream. So she follows stream bed. It gets a little bigger. When it gets dark, she looks for a spot to protect her back is what she says. So she always looks for something to like lean against. So she has some sort of protection because there's all kind of creepy, creepy stuff out there. Snakes. There's like jaguars.
1: There's spiders. That's the I feel like spiders would be the thing.
0: Okay. Later, there's a spider in the. Oh god! So anyway, so she sleeps, and she's so she's still so like has this bad concussion. So she just goes to sleep, so even with all the rain and the insects. And this was like the only night that she slept well. The rest of the nights were just completely sleepless. She slowly works her way along the stream. She sees creepy stuff. So here's the spider part. She sees what is called. A bird-eating spider. This is the largest spider in the world by mass, by, like, weight. There's bigger ones, those wolf spiders, I guess, that have longer legs. Basically, it's like a ginormous tarantula, and they will eat birds. I guess they don't really eat birds. They eat large insects and maybe little lizards and stuff. But I guess at some point it was seen eating a small bird. And so they named it that. But super creepy anyway. Who wants to like have tarantula on your face? Yeah. Like the size of your face. Yeah, no. That's no. a nightmare. But she said it was like, kind of like on the other side of this little stream bed. And she said they like eyed each other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had like eyes, like I don't know how many eyes, like 10 eyes on her. And he was, she was just like, doo doo doo.
1: All of his little legs pointing to his eyes <laughs> <and> <laughs> back <laughs> at her.
0: And she's like, I'm, okay, we're cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. And you so stay there. I'll be here. <laughs> she went along her way. On her fourth day, she hears the distinct sound. And she knows this because her mom taught her all the, the bird sounds. She, she hears the distinct sound of the king vultures. Like, flapping their wings and making their noises. Oh, man. And when there's vultures... There's, dead shit. There's dead... Yeah. She comes around the corner of this river bend and she sees another three-seater bench seat. Oh, my God. It is three feet in the ground, head first. Three people in it. Nope. She only sees their feet sticking out in this creepy-ass way. And she was just like, oh, good God. And so she has this moment. Because you remember, she, I mean, this is all very traumatizing she still has a concussion concussion and she has this moment where she's like is that my mom even though she knows her mom was in like afterwards she's like of course it couldn't be because my mom was sitting next to me and right but she like actually gets a stick and kind of like pokes one of the feet maybe takes the shoe off one of the lady's feet because she wants to know because i guess her mom had very distinct feet and she wanted to see and the, the lady's feet had nail polish on it and she's like my mom would never wear nail polish and that really freaked her out because she spent this whole time like thinking, did everyone else make it and they're somewhere else?
1: And she's like, just by where herself. is everybody? Yeah. And I'm by
0: myself. Have they all been rescued? And I'm just out here like looking like what's happened, right? She doesn't know if people are alive or dead. She doesn't know where mom is. She's just like, I got to get to this river and find people. So I'll know what the hell happened. She moves on. A day or two later, she hears the call of these birds. I think it's called a Hotsen. They're these birds that her mom studied extensively. And they're weird. They're like kind of scaly skin on their head. And the babies are born with a claw on the end of their wings so they can crawl. Like if they fall, they can crawl back up the tree. But she knows that where those birds are found, they only nest along open, like large open rivers. Oh. And so she knows she's close to an open river. Everyone should be a biologist. Let me just, (laughs) let me just
1: stop you right here and say everyone in the world. Should be interested in biology.
0: Yeah, the animals tell you everything. Everything. Especially if you crash in the middle of a jungle
1: and you survive. <laughs> and you survive. <laughs> and you don't go face first three feet into the ground. Oh, my
0: God. I can't even... Well, I mean, it's not like you know. I just keep thinking about that image. Sorry. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, for sure, like, if they weren't dead already, they died on impact. Oh, yeah, 100%, yeah. 100%. And they don't know their three feet in the ground yeah so she's she it cheers her up she's like thank god this is happening you know i'm finally getting somewhere so she makes it to this wide river and she's finally out of the canopy of trees and she can see the sky
1: finally oh yeah this whole time she's just been like under in, the canopy under the canopy
0: in the dark she can see the sky no more fucking planes they're not flying around anymore they've already given up and she was pissed She was like angry because she's like, what the? How many days is she on here So I guess this is like day five or six. So six days. So they basically searched a week on that side. She doesn't know this yet, but they never found anything. They didn't find the plane because it was so dense. And I think the plane just like broke into so many pieces and it just fell into the jungle and they couldn't find anything. They just flew around for like ever. Didn't. And they just couldn't. So I think at this point they were trying to talk to villagers Mm -hmm. to see, like, did you hear something or what did you hear or when? And they're still trying to figure it out. But they just, like, we can't fly around forever because we just don't see anything. But she's like, well, I mean, I can't just sit here and be mad and sad. I just got to keep moving. Because she's resilient. She's resilient. She's that thing they call grit. Yes. She is grit. So when she was, like, moving along, she followed the the sun and when she knew when the sun was kind of gonna go down like around five o'clock you know she looked for a safe spot and she would like usually like a large tree and she would go and she would lean against it and she said the mosquitoes and these tiny little midges like little gnats would just keep her awake all night and just bite her they just bite the shit out of her it's like no CMs? i think so those ones that like make those super itchy things Uh, yeah A million bugs all over you trying to go up your nose, in your mouth, in your eyes, in your ears, and just constant buzzing. It just was unbearable. And she was so tired that eventually she would kind of pass out because just so tired and she would wake up and have all these stings and bites and it was terrible. And she said at some point she was, it was dark and she was trying to sleep and there were some bushes nearby and she hears like hissing and pawing like right next to her. And she's like, it's probably a jaguar. Or an ocelot or something. But it was actually like... It was a, a paca. It's like a big rodent. Oh. <laughs> you yeah, i like talking about? And oh, they, they're God. like a
1: medium-sized dog in brown fur. Yeah. And they're like giant rats. Yeah, but they're super
0: cute. They're kind of cute. And they also eat them. And-, and so she just did like a... <clears throat> and it ran away. <laughs> <laughs> just, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. This is a quote from her book. She's like, On those nights I pray, the prayers are mainly about my mother... I've always had a very close relationship with her. She is my mother and sort of a friend. So she's just sad. But yeah. she's she's doing the damn thing. She's gonna keep going forward. She said that at a point those scrapes on her started to worry her. The cut on her calf was starting to get funky and right. swell. Because she's walking in the river.
1: All sorts of shit in there.
0: This whole time when she hits the big river and in any of the water, but she's walking in it because it's safer to walk in the water than on the banks where other things can like right. get her. So the, the thing that's in the water that she has to be careful of are stingrays. She got a stick and she would like poke around in front of her before she stepped to try and like move anything that was in the water. Oh, wow. And she would use her, the foot that had the sandal to mm. like step first. And then step again because she knew she got stung because it was a done deal. It was over. She does that. And you know what else they have? This is She talks about this in her documentary. Caymans. Those are super aggressive, aren't they? I think they are super aggressive. She was saying like they're okay as long as you're not around their young. Mm-hmm. But I have a friend who was attacked by a cayman. A friend of mine from grad school. And man, she, I mean, she lost her leg over that. No. Terrible.
1: Yeah, that sounds...
0: That's why when she was talking about it, she was like, yeah, they would be along walking along the side, like the riverbanks, and they jump in really aggressively into the water. And she's like, most people would jump out, which is the worst. You're supposed to just stay there and they won't bother you. Oh. Good tip. Just stay put in the... That's like, that's like the
1: tip that they tell you if you're, if you get bitten by like a moray eel or something, you're supposed to punch back into their throat because their teeth are angled back. Oh. So you punch back, it opens up wider, then you can pull your hand out. Like the guy who told me that actually got bitten by a Instead moray Instead of pulling, eel, it'll just tear your skin. And he pulled his hand out and it ripped oh, all of his hand off.
0: So. Why was he that close to a more eel?
1: It's kind of a funny story. I went to Belize. It was at this coral reef thing. There's like a research station there. There was a group of high schoolers who came to do some kind of thing at their research station. He took them out and he was telling them before they got off the boat, like, hey, if you see an eel, because you will, like, don't point at it. Right. He, they went down into the water and he saw one and he was like, don't point. And he, <laughs> and he like, you know, like X with his hand. And I just realized that like, I'm talking to you. But and then he no pointed and he pointed towards the moray eel and it was like boom on his hand.
0: Oh God. And
1: instead of using his own advice and like punching, cause he was like,
0: what the hell? Is it's like an instinctual thing, thing to instinctual pull thing. away when something bites you. Yeah. He
1: pulled away. It ripped and he ended up having to get medevaced. Uh, and then he was in this weird cast. You know, one of those casts that's, like, they, like, lift your arm up. And, and it has, all his like...
0: research students were like,
1: Wow yeah
0: way to follow your own advice um, he there. was
1: he was on some heavy medication
0: wow that must have been bad okay well at least you'll always remember that i always that's remember how that. she remembered the story about the guy shooting himself in the leg and the guy coming down following the river right it's like those things you see or hear about and it sticks with you and you're like that's crazy yeah i'm gonna remember that so remember that if you're ever walking down the amazon river don't jump out and cayman's like jump into the water just stay you know be calm just stay, stay in it. the water but also she said the river was just like full of like logs and pieces of wood. And she was, she's already hurt and she's just getting weak, you know, and she's having to like clamor over these things. I don't know at what point she figured out that she had that deep cut on the back of her arm, like, because she couldn't see it. She had to really like look around to mm. try and like see the cut. And it's not
1: like she can turn her head because her collarbone but is But it's broken. feeling
0: real funky. Yeah. kind of getting painful. And she's able to like twist around and look at it. And it's just full of maggots. Oh, And she can see them, like, poking their bodies out. She said, like, asparagus heads.
1: (laughs) That was a great sound. (laughs) So, apparently,
0: yeah, they had laid their egg packets in her wound. And now they were about a half inch long. Just a shit ton of them. She's like, I know these things have to come out. She remembers when she was younger, one of her dogs got a cut on its leg. They weren't able to treat it. They didn't see it because it was under the fur. Mm -hmm. And maggots had gotten in. And maggots will just keep burrowing their way down, down, down. It was really hard. They were able to save the dog in the leg, but it took a while. And one of the things she remembered is that they used um, kerosene. Mm. You can use kerosene or gasoline, and it'll make them, like, get out. It'll okay. kill them, but they'll mostly – either they'll try to bur- burrow down further, but eventually they'll come out. It'll mm-hmm. kill them, and they'll come out. But she didn't have kerosene. She didn't have anything. She didn't bring a first aid kit with her? With I them. know, right? Come on. is <laughs> the <Yeah>, other <laughs> thing you strapped to you. Just a- in your <laughs> – While you're flying, is your your first aid kit wrapped like a, like a waist pack? It's just a a fanny pack all the time, all the
1: time. Let's see, parachute, harness. The waist pack.
0: Done. Done. So we're building, we're building a a thing here. So she had this ring. She said it was like a spiral shaped ring. And she took it off and tried to dig the maggots out with her ring. She's trying to fish him out, but it's like. Back behind and she's like, oh like it's like trying to get, use it as a tweezer as such to kind of pick the maggots out. And she even tried like the her wrist watch, like the buckle, to try and like poke them, but she just can't. It's not happening. They're not coming out. They're like, We like it in here, get away. She's just like, <laughs> That's when oh you God. just start naming
1: them and then they're your
0: friends. <laughs> and then she and then she starts Feeling her upper back hurts something fierce. She reaches back. She has blood on her fingers from touching her back, and she realizes that she's this like super sunburn. Second degree burns. She finds out later. Yeah, second degree burns. Because her dress kind of came open. We got freaking giant ass spiders. We got crocodile, alligator, came in jumping in the water. And then God damn it, son. Come on. Come on. What? supposed to be on. good for us. Vitamin D, but no. She's starting to get really weak. She's been drinking the river water, which is brown. At least it's fresh. Yes. And so she was drinking the water, and that's what all she was drinking. She had, like, that candy. She was trying to ration it, like, one a day or, you know, in the morning and evening. Just, like,
1: memories of the fruitcake. I bet, yeah. Plaguing that's her she's like, the or, entire walk.
0: If only I had that. She gets so desperate, and it's a rainy season, so there's actually these little frogs but they're little poison arrow frogs oh, and they're the ones that you know people use to like use the poison and shoot darts or like in indiana jones <laughs> yeah i think they're those <laughs> and she tries to get down and catch one to eat she's like i just gotta eat something right now she's too weak she can't get them and she's she cannot but it's good because if she had she probably would have died. It died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so That's good. It didn't work out. She's basically at this point, she's barely hanging on. She's just floating, drifting along. She's trying to move logs, you know, move over these like logs and debris in the river. Um, When it gets dark, she climbs up to this gravel bank to sleep. And this is on day 10. How many days can you go without food? I don't know, but she had water. Right, so and I know there's candies. like yeah, I know it's not long. I know water without is less, water, yeah. But without food, <laughs> I think people have gone a long time.
1: The one thing that always makes me remember, like that water is first, is yeah. that movie The Ring.
0: Oh, the one where she crawls out of the TV yeah. with the hair. Yes, yeah, it's, because it's, in
1: there they talk about how long she was there without. She was in like a well. I, anyway, I, I try not to remember that movie, but
0: I can't believe you even watched that movie. I couldn't get you to watch. What was that one that you wouldn't watch when we were <laughs> in Peace Corps? It was you wow. And her hair yeah. comes out of the corner of the ceiling.
1: That same girl who put her head up into the attic, had her jaw ripped off, and you oh see God. her later in the... Oh, Jesus I forgot Christ. the
0: name I, of that. Maybe one of our three listeners will tell us yes. what the name of that movie is. I can't...
1: It's think it. also another Asian horror movie that was originally a Japanese or Korean horror movie that yeah. Americans... And Sarah Michelle Gellar was in it. Oh. I remember she was taking a shower in that movie, and sometimes when I'm having a bad day... <laughs> <laughs> I remember that scene where she's like washing her hair, then the creepy hand comes up. Up through her hair at someone else's hand.
0: I don't even remember that. I mean, and I probably watched the whole Did you watch Vivid the whole thing?
1: Memories. I definitely watched half of it through my fingers. <laughs> And then and then we went to sleep later, yeah. and you were sleeping up on like a cot. I was sleeping on the ground, and you were up on like a platform bed. And I was just staring at you all night, <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking like, "Are we good enough friends that I can sleep with you? Can I crawl? In- can I crawl in bed and with I you been right like, now?" Be no. like Jane, just. Like- can I just lay <laughs> down? Um, oh, but poor yeah, brain. Horror movies are the freaking worst. But yeah, The Ring. I actually saw it um, before it was officially released. Yeah. So I was convinced that we were all gonna die. Oh god! Because it's that movie where if you watch a video, then you get a phone call and they say they're gonna kill you in seven days, something like that. Because that's however many days it took her to die. Seven days that you uh, can go without water. Again.
0: I don't think that's right. But yeah, well, probably if you fell in a well and I don't know. But right? she, that's ten days here. She's a true survivor. That chick had problems in the ring. Agreed. Yeah. At this point, she's crawling. And she crawls up there to sleep. She thinks she's hallucinating. And she keeps looking. And of course, she doesn't have her glasses. Her eyes are still kind of goofed up. But she sees a boat. And she gets closer, and she's like, that is a fucking, fucking boat.
1: boat. <gasps> <laughs> just, so, I feel like at that moment, it would just be like... <laughs> the crying emotion, <laughs> just, emotion. You wouldn't be able to stop the yeah, crying?
0: Yeah, yeah. She sees from the boat, she sees like this little trail that goes up the riverbank like 20 feet or so. It takes her a while to get up that 20-foot embankment. Oh my God. It might be steep... Because she's just so weak. She's had a rough go. So she finally gets up there and there's like a little hut, like a small hut and there, but there's no people around. And so she sees a boat motor and she sees a barrel of gas. Gosh. She actually goes to the gas, siphons some out with her mouth. Cause she's bad at it. Cause I would <laughs> have gas all in my mouth, but somehow she didn't. Right? Yeah. yeah. And she, and then she puts the gas on the maggot wound. Because she's like, this maggot thing is too much. I got it. It's like, I don't care about anything right now. Just get these goddamn maggots out of my arm. <laughs> you guys, it's time. So she puts it on there. And with her ring, she's able to get like 30 or so out. 30 or so. Far from how many were actually there, she says. She finds a tarp and she goes back down to the sandy area Riverbank because the floor of this hut is really hard. I don't blame her because sleeping on the sand or anything is like way better than sleeping on like some hard surface. Yeah. But she wraps herself in the tarp. To keep all the bugs and crap off her. And she says she has a really good sleep. And so the next morning, she wakes up. There's still no one. And she said she had a moment of thinking, I can take this boat and go down the river. But you know what she thinks? Because she's a freaking good person. Oh. She's like, I don't want to strand, like, make somebody else be stranded here. I oh. wouldn't do that to somebody. I'm not gonna do that. And so she kind of contemplates, should I keep moving? Because there's nobody here, and I don't know how long it's gonna be till somebody gets here. But she's just so out of it. She's so weak at this point that she's just like, never mind. I'm just gonna stay here. She said it rains. So she just goes in the shelter and she just plans like, okay, I'm just going to stay here one more day. And if nobody comes, then I'll do my best to keep going. And in her book, she said, despair alternates with hope, powerlessness with new resolve, this back and forth in her, in her mind. And she said, when that night it started getting dark and then she hears voices, these three men come out of the forest. And when they see her, they're freaked out. I can
1: only imagine what they're seeing.
0: In their culture, there is this scary river goddess, and she—they think that she like comes out of the river and steals children. And she's supposed to be like really fair-haired and fair-looking. And oh, no. because Julian is, you know, blonde hair, she's white. Yeah, she didn't know it, but she looked like real effed up at this point. But she speaks to them immediately in Spanish. She says, I'm a girl who was in the Lanza crash. My name is Julianne. And they get closer and they're just like, they're just astonished. January 3rd, 1972. So ten days after the crash. There's these guys are foresters and they're just like, Oh my God. So they they gave her some clothes. Cause she just had on that, you know, mini dress. She said it was actually stayed together. Whoever manufactured that dress. <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> she said it was still fine. She said in like depictions of things they show pictures and it's like she's wearing like hardly anything and it's like all sexy and she's just like i was it was not sexy so she said it was still fine but they you know gave her some clothes they gave her food and they tried to get more maggots out of her arm and they took out like 50 more but still there was more she was asking like do you know anything about the flight do you know like you know she wanted to know what happened and that's when she found out there were no other passengers found and they hadn't even found the plane and so of course she's feeling really sad, real worried about her mom, processing all of that information. And then two more Foresters come out, see her and they're like, what the fuck? And so the guys are like, explain. she tells them her story again. They explain everything. These guys, the two ones that just came, they're like, okay, they make a plan. They're like, it's almost dark. She's so weak. Like we need to, first thing in the morning, we're going to take her to a doctor. And it's going to take a while to go down the river to get to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So they sleep that night. And this time they made her sleep in the hut. (laughs) <laughs> they think it's safer, but she was all like, it's not so comfortable up here, but she she did it. And they were like the sweetest, nicest men. Like they were just so, like, couldn't believe it, you know, yeah. they just want to get her back and get her safe. And early the next morning, they start taking her down the river around lunchtime. They stop at this random, you know, little village to get food and they go ashore and like... When these little kids saw her and even the women, they were screaming oh, and no. running away because they, they thought she was like a demon. And she didn't know it, but her eyes were completely bloodshot, like red. So oh, she said yeah. they looked like bloody sockets. Like you couldn't even see eyes. It just oh, looked like God. blood. And she said people were just like, ah! <laughs> like I imagine you know because oh, i i just know when i was a peace corps volunteer like yes. some small children when yes. they saw me they would scream and cry just because i was like a crazy white lady yeah. and they thought uh, i was like some ghost or something
1: i think i've told you that my host family uh, their like extended family would bring a baby to the house sometimes and they would tell that baby that i was a ghost and that baby would scream and cry and i'd be like, like i would feel so bad yeah i'm like i can't do anything about this i'm sorry <laughs> i'm like I wish Yay. that I could yeah. you know
0: so imagine if you had bloody sockets jeez that I mean that's reason to scream and cry but she was like they told me my eyes looked like this she's like I could see and they didn't hurt so far it's like nothing hurts I mean just the maggot thing was the real issue that she was having they move on and around 4 p.m they get to a village called Turnavista, or maybe it's a city I'm not really sure they took her to a nurse that she actually knows because imagine there's yeah. a fat German family I mean that's probably like a lot of people in Each other, and she said that they they clean her up, and then they make her fly again. Fuck that! Fly again, never get to another location where there's some missionaries and a real doctor. It was like an American pilot, this lady who Mm. flew her and was like, don't worry, everything's going to be great. And so she laid down in this little tiny plane and she said the lady was like really taking those kind of turns, like liberally, like swervy, curvy flying. Yeah. And she's like, that lady had no idea how much she was making me like lose my shit. Anyway, she gets back to these missionaries. Her dad gets there and, you know, they're reunited. Her dad is just like, where's your mom? You know, what do you know? Like what happened? So she tells him everything. That's when her body starts, like, breaking down. She gets these crazy fevers. Her knee swells up really big. And she finds out later that she had a torn cruciate ligament in her knee. Which, I don't know exactly what that is, but they're basically saying that the doctor said it would be impossible to walk on in most cases. And she just... She just did. It's like her body kind of adrenaline up or something. Yeah, it just did, did what it needed to do to get her there. She's convalescent, getting back, you know, all these doctors are checking her out. Then these rescue teams. So once she was there, then she could explain where she came from and those foresters were like, okay, we found her here. And she kind of explained kind of how she, where she made her way from and they were mm-hmm. able to figure out where the crash was. So rescue teams go out. By January 6th, they were able to locate the crash. And it was like, it was really hard to get through because they couldn't land anywhere because it's in a Dense, you know, jungle. Mm-hmm. So they, we're trying to figure out how to get people there, and they what they did was they got helicopters and lower people down with chain, and they had chainsaws so they could cut paths to get around to get to people. By January eighth, they found the first twenty victims, and it was it was real bad business. I guess it was gruesome, so they were dismembered, disfigured. Season. Rainy season. I guess the original coroner that flew in was so ill, like he just was like, "Get me the hell out of here!" And they had another coroner go in, and you know was basically like, "Okay, pack it all up." and get them right? out. It's like so they never death. really did like a really good investigation of the scene mm. or why it crashed or what happened because they were like, oh God, it's carnage. Just get them out and get them back. Everything was like Sorry. decomposing all over the place. And, and everywhere they looked like the vultures were just hanging out in the branches. She even interviewed to like this person. It was like two guys but, but didn't really talk to anybody else and the government was trying to protect her from people coming in. and So because of That's that, sweet. they made up all kinds of crazy shit shit her dad was there but he would leave every day and go to this to the morgue where they were bringing in more and more to be (laughs) identified and a lot of it was pretty rough like some were just identified by what they were wearing or a shoe or whatever. You know, during this time, her dad would go back and check to see if her mom was ever found and they'd come back to her. And and this time, she received all these letters from all over the world. In her book, she says, and I'm quoting this, Many want uh, wanted to let me know how much they admire how I found my way through the jungle and think I'm enormously brave, cool-headed, and fearless. I'm happy about that but actually I think I simply had no choice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was like the only choice she had was to die or to go forward.
0: On January 12th her father thinks he identified the mother's body. So this is real scary. Sad. They bring him there and they're like okay there's the body of a woman. They gave him a ring and they're like this was found with the body but it wasn't like on her and it was her wedding ring. His wife's Mm -hmm. wedding ring. But the Crazy thing was, is that the body was really fresh, like still in pretty good condition. The head was missing from like the jaw up. He knew because I guess her mom had very distinct toes. Like she had like a crazy second toe that was like sure. nuts and all oh, that, weird. Like yeah. crazy toes. And that was her feet. Like he recognized her feet. So oh he's like, God. I think that's my wife, but there's no head. Why is her body in really good condition, but there's no head? What they think is her mom... Actually survived the crash. Oh my God. But was maybe had injuries to the effect that she just couldn't move or for whatever reason, she didn't move far from where she crashed. Right. And survived uh, five or six days or a week or more because if the body was still fresh, yeah. I mean, she survived almost up to where she was rescued. Right. And then what happened to her head? Unless like she died and then animals got at it, just the head, but why not any other part of her body? Right. Her dad was really, really bothered by this. And you want to know something even worse is so they made him, the his wife's wedding ring, they made him to turn it in for evidence to this judge and they promised they'd give it back and they never did. Whenever, every time he tried to get it back, they would just be like, nope, sorry. Why? What do you we need the ring it.
1: for? Yeah. I
0: don't know. And it's just like... It's so heartbreaking because I guess, you know, her dad is. A very eccentric person, and Mm -hmm. he's, you know, you think of those really, like, super nerdy professors that are very unique, and...
1: I I can imagine, like, four of them in my head Yeah, I know a lot of
0: them. And so she, you know, and so his wife was really, like, the one person. I mean, that was his love, and that was his person. Right. The one person he identified with more than anybody on this planet, and then... So it just really bugged him that he could never figure that out. There were three possible explanations why she survived. So one of them is that when there are these thunderclouds, that they kind of drive all the wind and everything upwards. And so as she's falling, but the wind is pushing up, it might have kind of slowed slowed her her. fall. And then there was that other thing about her being on the three-seater where it like spun like a maple seed spins. And the fact that, yeah, she was strapped to it was kind of like, also acted as something, the seat acted as something to slow down the fall and spun her and slowed it and with the wind going up. And then when she actually hit the... The forest canopy. Then there's all these um, vines dense canopy and it kind of also slowed it even more to where she fell in the right position not like the head first three feet in the (laughs) ground so she fell and kind of protected her and like without that hard impact all of those things combined is what helped her land but also if her mom made it like how did that work so if her mom made it maybe her mom because she wouldn't have been in a seat but maybe the same thing with the vines and she landed in a tree and fell you know what i mean? mean by the end of January of 1972, because now it's, you know, 72, she'd recovered enough to go back to the research station at Panguana with her dad. So she had taken her examinations. What I, It's kind of different than, you know, American school, but it's her graduation. But then she needed Mm -hmm. to go to get her other degree, so like a bachelor's. So she wanted to just go back to Lima and go to school there with all her friends and kind of go. But when she went back, it was she was famous and people were constantly bothering her and she tried to flow with it and be cool and all that but it was a little much and I think her dad was struggling so much and he was so sad and I think he really couldn't deal with her a teenager kind of trying to do her thing and be normal Mm -hmm. when things weren't normal and he ended up sending her back to Germany he's like you need to go to Germany and there's no and ifs or buts you're going and that's that she went back to Germany didn't want to but she did and she went back to live with her aunt and her grandma the ones that had lived in Peru before and they're really sweet and they really took care of her and actually she started school while she was there it was difficult like she was having a hard time fitting in imagine she lived in Peru her entire life and Mm -hmm. it was she actually got really sick during that time and she had found out she had hepatitis from drinking all the river water that brown nasty water it saved her but Made her real sick. I mean, we knew that would happen. Right. You can't just drink crazy brown water. Hepatitis or death. And it kind of got her out of that awkward going to a new school situation. So she was actually, I think it helped her. So she got to go home. She actually went to her other grandmother's, her mom's mom, and spent time with them. She convalesced from that. And the next year she started fresh. So... It, it worked out. A couple of years later, in 1974, her dad also moved back to Germany. He never went back and lived in Peru after that. So I guess oh. he just managed the research station remotely with people who he had worked with there just sending, sending researchers letters. out there, yes. <laughs> emailing them. The other thing in 1974, there was this low budget film, Italian film.
1: I already want to see it.
0: It's called Miracles Still Happen, and it's actually in Italian, it's like, Miracoli, blah, blah, blah. That is so... <laughs>
1: Your Italian is, uh, bellissimo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. And so, she pretty much hates it, because it was like, damsel in distress, like, oh, crocodiles, oh, spiders. Oh like, my god. It was like that.
1: And she's like, like she's I'm rolling sorry. around on the
0: ground crying and stuff. It's, she's, she's like, like,
1: no, I was a boss.
0: Yeah, I owned that jungle. She really hated it. And, and the bad thing was, is they got all the information from those guys who originally interviewed her, which was like the one interview she gave. And then they, she was like, that's not at all. So she thought about, she's really, was really into art and she was really into writing and she thought about doing, you know, going to be an art major, but she decided to study biology like her parents at the University of Kiel. She went back to Panguana in 1977. So since she left in 72, so five years later, she goes back to study butterflies. Species-specific patterns of camouflage coloring in carrion and dung-eating butterflies of the Peruvian tropical rainforest. What a fun... I learned a fun
1: fact about butterflies uh, a long time ago that they eat carrion uh, during mating season. Some of them do.
0: And the poops. And
1: I was... Yeah, and the poops. And I was like, wow, that's... uh, I didn't know that. It's so beautiful. But not.
0: Just eating dead things and poop. It lands on your shoulder. You're like, I smell (laughs) the aroma so... (laughs) not. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) You're so pretty, but. So she finished her thesis. She graduated in 1980 and then in 81 she went back to Panguana. Panguana to study Bye. Bats? Oh, my gosh. So she wasn't into bats. She was like, gross, I hate bats. Because the only ones she knew were, like, those little vampire bats. Oh,
1: so did she study fruit bats? No,
0: she studied all the bats. All the bats. But she went back and she studied fruit. uh, She studied these vampire bats and Mm -hmm. actually found, like, they were so interesting and so cool and that their biology was so amazing and she got really into it. So she was there for, like, two years just studying. There were other students that kind of came and went, but it was, like, complete. You know, jungle living. She's the queen. She's like, cool. A couple years later, she went back to Germany to kind of write up her thesis and do her, you know, all the classwork and do all that for her PhD. And she met this sweet guy who was also a biologist studying wasps. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) I know, I wouldn't want to say Mm, it. That sounds horrible. uh, I know, but you know. And his name was Eric Diller, and they fell in all the loves. Oh. She had to go back for a little bit, for a few months, to Panguana to kind of get some other info on the bats. And then she finished her PhD in 87... And it's called Ecological Separation of Bat Species in the Tropical Lowland Rainforest of Peru.
1: That sounds, I would read that.
0: I would too. As long as it's in English, English version. Yeah, it's probably in German.
1: German or Spanish. I don't know Spanish. I don't know. I would be like,
0: very interesting words. Of things that I (laughs) Ah, don't know. Ah, yes, (laughs) yes. I look at the pictures. (laughs) Right after she graduated, she was offered a job at the Bavarian State Collection of Zoology in Munich. Apparently, it's like the largest collection in Europe. Zoological collection. And she's there. And she's still there today. And her and Eric got married in 1989. I like this. I want to say this quote because I like what she said. She says, I'm often asked, what good does that do to us? Like researching, you can only protect what you first studied and gotten to know, I usually answer. And at some point, people will realize here too, that it's more beneficial and valuable to preserve the forests of their biodiversity in the long run, instead of destroying them For the short-term profit. But as long as we regard the rainforest as nothing but a wilderness or a green hell, we're behaving like children setting fire to a heap of money just because we don't know what the paper is worth. Perfection. 25 years later, in 1998, she got contacted by this um, German documentary filmmaker named Werner. Werner Herzog. He was like, are you interested. Yeah, he's pretty well-known. know that name. Yeah. yeah. He's like, are you interested in doing a documentary about your crash or your accident or...
1: Your traumatic life your event? experience? I mean, what do you...
0: <laughs> yeah, she's like... And the crazy thing is, is he was there at the airport that day in line with them trying to get on that same freaking flight.
1: Shut up.
0: And he couldn't get a seat. So he almost was on that same flight with her. So they had this connection.
1: Did they talk about that
0: in the documentary? Yeah, they do. They do. I, that's It's crazy. really good. You can just... Look it up on, I, I watched it on YouTube. I mean, so they have that connection and also she knew of him and she know he, you know, he's well respected and well known. The documentary is really good. They go back and they go through the actual crash site. They find bits of the plane and she talks about it as they go. She said that. Making that documentary was kind of a therapy for her. You know, it's like she didn't realize how much she was still holding on to it because she was so stoic throughout the whole thing. And right. sometimes people were like, Why don't you act like you care more? But it's just like she realized that the way she dealt with things was like how she it was like a coping, a protection. Mm-hmm. Another quote is she said, I had nightmares for a long time, for years, and of course the grief about my mother's death and that of other people came back to me again and again. That thought was why was I the only survivor? It haunts me and it always will. That was in ninety eight her. Her her dad died when he was 86 in 2010. And I guess he was still working. Like he was starting to write his own book, his own autobiography, and managing the research station from afar. And then, you know, kind of he got sick and died pretty quickly. And then the next year is when she wrote her When I Fell from the Sky in 2011. And she got a core, I think it's Corrine, Literature Prize in 2011 for her book. In 2019, she was given an award by the government of Peru, called the Order of Merit for Distinguished Services and Degree of a Grand Officer. And that's because of all her work with the research station.
1: That's cool. Did she get a fancy hat too?
0: I would hope so. Maybe like a sword. Yes. Or machete. A golden machete. But with like some
1: bejeweled (laughs) stuff on like the hilt, right? Uh, That
0: would be amazing. So another quote she has in her book, because I think it's really sweet. She said that the research station is part of me like my love of my husband. Like the rhythm of a cumbia. Cumbia? What? No, it's like a cumbia. Is that some sort of like Oh, like an instrument? An instrument. Like the rhythm of a cumbia, which are in my blood. Like the scars that I still have from the plane crash. The jungle is the reason I get on airplanes again and again. And for it, I'm even willing to grapple with the authorities. <laughs> Basically, she wanted to have the research station become a conservation area. And so when her dad passed away in 2010, then she took over and she was like, we're going to do this because it had been there. So it's like the oldest biological research station in Peru. So it's been there, it was established in 68. It's four square miles or 2,500 acres. And it's a completely, entirely pristine part of the Peruvian lowland rainforest in the upper Amazon basin. Like, it's beautiful. They have the big mahoganies, these big, beautiful trees, which people try to cut down because they can make a lot of money. And, right, right, right. You know, what's happening is they'll just cut all these beautiful big trees. They get a lot of money for them. And then they just farm the land. So it's like win-win. But they're actually just fragmenting the rainforest and really messing up the ecology. Her dad actually had named penguana after this, I want to say it's a it's a bird, on Tinamau. It's like a partridge-sized bird. And he did that for his wife. That was one of her favorite birds. In 2011, so she wrote the book, and she also was able to declare Panguana Conservation Area by the Peruvian Ministry of Environment. She That's did all those things. So cool. Yeah. Some of the things they found. Listen to this. In right. that area, how many species? This is just a Are we sampling. Gonna guess? 360 bird species, 115 mammals, 78 reptiles, 76 amphibians, 57 bats. She discovered 56 did on her own.
1: 57 bats.
0: She discovered 56 on her own during her PhD. What? 34 fish, 500 tree species, 232 diurnal butterflies. That's cool. 520 ant species. But still amazing. 62 wasps. Maybe her husband contributed to that. 35 orchid bees. That's pretty cool. And anyway, there's been over 180 publications so far because people just keep going there and doing research and writing up cool stuff. So, if you wanted to... You Let's, can go to their website. Oh,
1: what is the... Jen, Or us. we can go
0: there and research. <laughs> I, was, <that. laughs>
1: I was like, do you want to go? I mean, no, I'm good. I'm we'll good. Go I mean, Dean's I zone.
0: would. I would totally go, but...
1: To visit, but maybe not in a plane. Can you get there on foot? No. You can't just walk there? Well,
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. The Lanza plane was... That was the last one that they had. In that the was Ash. So Lanza went away.
1: Lanza was like, all right, and we're out. <laughs>
0: we're out. So I guess that's... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but you can go to their website at um, panguana.de.
1: Oh, like Denmark or Germany?
0: Yeah, and so you have to press, like, the English Stellan button to make it in English. It took me a second. I was like, this starts with English. Or not, if
1: you speak German, it's all good. Or if you
0: speak German, you're good to go <laughs> because it's all in German. But you can choose English, Spanish, or German. Oh. But it's a really nice website, and there's places you can click on to support or just learn about it, and it's pretty amazing so yay rainforest amazon rainforest go save it if you want to support them super worthy so that is my story of julianne that was
1: an amazing story
0: Mm -hmm. i really
1: enjoyed that um
0: I'm glad. Hopefully, everybody really enjoyed that. And, you know, I just wanted to... I think we should start... Speaking of, like, going on planes and all the things you're going to have... Right. Is... We should have... We should start, an um, like, an emergency preparedness kit for life.
1: 100%. I... Like, for everyday use. Everyday.
0: Because you never know when you're going to fall in a jungle or, you know... Right. Have maggots in your arm. So, I guess... You know, for this story, yeah, what, what would you be your number one uh, what would be the number one thing you would have in your kit?
1: I mean, I'm just gonna say from this story, mm-hmm. man, there's so many possibilities here, but I feel like I'm just never gonna fly in slippers again like. <laughs> Just always rubber boots. Rubber boots.
0: I have just two pairs of chicken rubber boots.
1: Honestly, it's done. It's done that's with, it. That brings it around. I love it. <laughs> chicken rubber boots. Chicken rubber boots. 100%. And then just always some fruitcake.
0: We'll look for a recipe. Well, now At we least. have to make one. Well, yeah. Well, you can do it. Yes. So no raisins, please. <laughs> if you can. If there's raisins in it. I'm I'll be like, pat these. But what no if you raisins. just take
1: out the raisins and then it's amazing?
0: Up. Oh, then I'm That's, all. Then it's gonna be our new and sorry, new even thing. with mud.
1: I feel like we should make in honor. We should make <laughs> a fruitcake covered with uh, like just mud. put it
0: in the bathtub and let it soak. Yeah, and then slap some mud on it and be like, this is for you, Julia. <laughs> That's good. Chicken Um, rubber boots. Biologist
1: parents. Yeah. Yeah, so many things. Some gasoline. Just bring
0: gasoline with you. Just Just kerosene, gasoline, something. Just a little vial, so you can just dump it on any kind of maggot situation. Right, just in case. So next week is your story. Yeah. So in the meantime... You can check out our website. Oh, uh,
1: yeah, at uh, you're going to die out there You can look for us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want, you can send us your story ideas with your own crazy nature stories at you're going to die out there at gmail.com. And be sure to let us know if we can share them and look, uh, look for us on Instagram at you're going to die out there. And it's all one word. Y-O-U-R-E because grammar grammar gonna g-o-n-n-a d-i-e-o-u-t-t-h-e-r-e you're gonna die out there
0: you're gonna die out there and yeah send us some stories because maybe at some point if we get some awesome stories we'll start reading them
1: all right (laughs) all right see you next week all right bye. Bye. bye
0: wearing my chicken shirt today for good luck it's (laughs) (coughs) red Red leather leather. (laughs) leather. (laughs) Uh, just remember this isn't live we can just we can fuck up all we want all
1: all over the place (laughs) there's gonna be fucks everywhere it's gonna be amazing